This story has been recorded at an Addictive Eaters Anonymous meeting in the United States. You can email us at contact at aeainfo.org. Hi, my name's Katie and I'm an Addictive Eater. When I was a child, I really loved food. In fact, I think one of my earliest memories is of food. My grandfather giving me a bag of chips and chewing gum and I got really excited. I remember holidays and um, Christmas and things being all about the food. I remember going to my nana's house and being really excited about the baking in her tins. And my grandmother, even though she wasn't really that much of a cook, I loved the stew that she used to make, a special stew. Uh, I have so many memories of food. I don't have a very good memory in other ways, but what I do remember is of food. Uh, but then when I turned 12, I went from being, you know, a semi-normal kid uh, to being very different uh, with my thinking about food. There was a new boy at the school where I went and I became, I don't know, obsessed with him, I guess. And so I, I went on my first diet and I don't know how I acquired it, but I got a calorie counting book and very, very quickly memorized all the different uh, foods and how many calories they had uh, and I started trying to eat less calories. I, I had a little notebook of my goal weight. Uh, you know, I, I hadn't even started my period. I was probably quite small and yet, you know, I just wanted to lose a little bit. You know, I had a squishy tummy and wobbly thighs in my opinion, so I just wanted to just firm up and you know people around me started to worry about my weight my parents were concerned but I didn't know what their concern was I really liked how the bones stuck out on my shoulder blades and you know it's like I was getting attention from this boy and I really really liked it was kind of thrilling to uh, not eat as much and control my eating um, but then, uh, you know, I guess my parents got more concerned as time went on. And so I um, went to a, a clinic. There was a, uh, like a facility for people with eating disorders, a hospital facility. And um, I, w I remember going there. I'm not sure if my parents got a referral from our GP. Um, but I went to this clinic and... There was a quite a well-known psychiatrist who dealt with children who had eating disorders, apparently. Uh, and I remember having a resentment against him, like feeling this rage within me because he smoked a pipe and he rocked on his chair and I thought, you know, he doesn't understand me. He doesn't know how to help me. He doesn't understand. Um, yeah, so I remember feeling this rage and... We had family meetings or family discussions and I felt that same rage, like they don't understand me, you know, I'm not starving myself, I'm not doing this for attention, I'm not a problem, I just want, you know, just to lose a little bit of weight and what's the big deal and why don't you all just leave me alone. Um, so 
I remember getting these, you know, really upset and yelling during those family meetings. Uh, but then at that time, I needed to go to therapy once a week. And so I did that, and that was okay. The therapist was really nice, and I got to paint and do different activities. Um, apparently, I was told that I was a perfectionist and worried too much and so if I just stopped trying to be perfect and you know didn't worry about my sister and some different things then maybe I would eat more or something I don't know I guess that was the idea something along those lines uh, so I remember my final therapy session after going once a week for a year and I'd made messy paintings so my sister and my mother came in and I remember their the look on their faces like oh this is great you made a mess <laughs> and I was I was supposedly proud of myself because it, that meant I wasn't trying to be as perfect I'm not quite sure um, I do remember learning about anorexia at that time and being a little bit scared about what I learned um, I knew of Karen Carpenter's story and I became really fascinated by her and you know I would look at music videos of her and and think you know she was really beautiful and and it was so sad that she died of of this disease where she starved herself to death um, I didn't think that I would ever do that you know I didn't want to be thin like that because I thought that was actually really ugly when people got very 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 thin um, I just thought that I was, you know, too chubby and and just needed to lose a little bit of weight. I just wanted to be thin. I didn't want to be skeletal thin, just nicely thin. Um, but I am grateful um, that I learned about her because I guess there was something in me that, you know, was a little frightened of, you know, I don't want to cross a line or go down a slippery slope where I can't come back from. Um, so maybe that helped me, I'm not sure, but I do know that I stopped starving as much. My family wasn't quite as worried because I wasn't as underweight. I mean, I still didn't get my periods or... Um, you know, I still didn't like how I looked and was very obsessed about my weight. Um, but I went off to high school and I just did other things to, to try and control my eating. And, you know, it was always a secret. It was always there in my mind. I would wake up and I would always be thinking about, well, how many calories am I going to eat today? And uh, I tried to be good, um, being good was eating less than 800 calories and being bad was eating more than that and and I often felt bad because I often failed. Um, I started running at lunchtime um, and the PE teacher noticed me actually and she said, oh you, you're quite small, you might be uh, good on the cross country team. Uh, so I started running cross country and I played soccer and I got a membership uh, to a gym and started doing aerobics classes and things and I loved that. Uh, so all the time there was this obsession uh, to try and control my eating. 
Uh, I was constantly trying to control it. It was a battle for me. I felt like food was the enemy and I hated the food in some ways. It was this weird pull within me. Um, I hated it, but then I wanted it. I would do things like not eat anything during the day or eat as little as possible during the day and then reward myself at night. Uh, after school, I would buy things from the dairy, like a can of Diet Coke and um, a muesli bar. And the muesli bar, <laughs> I was obsessed about it and would think about it all day long, this can of Coke and this muesli bar. I remember years later, a friend saying to me, gosh, you really loved those muesli bars, didn't you? <laughs> because, of course, it was strange. Uh, what I did with food, uh, but I didn't know it was strange at the time, um, how much I obsessed about what I was eating and what I looked like, and I often felt like a fat pig, um, and it's kind of strange to me now that I look back, because I didn't uh, worry about things like my clothes or hair or makeup, uh, I just thought if I could be thin, then everything would be alright. If I could just lose a little bit more or not eat so much, um, then then I would be better. I would be better at school and boys would like me more and I would be uh, socially more smooth. You know, I just, I just thought thinness or just losing a little bit more weight or controlling the food would just solve all my problems. So that's, you know, what I was preoccupied with. Uh, for much of my thinking, for much of my days. Uh, I also was obsessed with boyfriends and boys and, you know, I was pretty unhealthy in that way because all I was thinking about when I was at school, it seems, was boys and food and, yeah, it seems a waste of my time and learning. Now that I look back, I kind of regret that. I was, I was a pretty troubled teenager and, you know, I I started drinking alcohol at that time. Friends uh, would go out to parties. And actually the first time I drank alcohol was at my house. Um, my sister and I stole some alcohol from my parents' liquor cabinet. And I got really drunk, uh, my sister. And I loved that feeling, that energetic buzzed feeling. Um, my sister was talking to her friend on the phone and I was trying to get her attention and being silly and laughing. I just love, love, love that feeling. But then I had drunk so much that I started vomiting and passing out. I passed out. My sister had to put me to bed. I'm not actually sure if my parents found out. Uh, but then parties were kind of like that as well. I drank so much that I would black out and throw up and yeah, end up doing you know things that I regretted. Uh, I I see that now as that binge drinking was just all part of my addiction and and my eating uh, because I I felt alcohol helped me try and control what I was eating. If I didn't eat much during the day and then went out to a party and drank alcohol and then uh, threw up all the food, then that was good because then I had no food in my system. 
and the alcohol gave me energy so I would you know walk a lot my friends and I used to walk all over town to go to different parties um, so that was part of the kind of the craziness for me and you know I was pretty troubled so I, I hated myself I had a lot of self-loathing and and I you know I thought that I was was fat and ugly and yeah it was, it was a pretty dark time um, I know my parents found out that I was vomiting I uh, once I discovered that I could make myself sick um, after drinking then I went on to do that and would after eating I would make myself sick and so my parents found out and I went back to therapy for another year uh, and that was uh, you know even worse than the first time actually because I was pretty disillusioned with it you know I wasn't really able to be honest and talking about myself for an hour just made me feel worse and it was so confusing why I was doing what I was doing and I didn't want to be doing it but I kept and I couldn't I kept doing it and I couldn't stop uh, so um, yeah I thought maybe if I could just get away from my my life uh, in Alcoholics Anonymous they call it doing a geographical if I could just get away and um, start fresh maybe that would help me uh, so I went on a high school exchange and I was uh, pretty upset with the organization at one point because they said I couldn't go to a foreign speaking country uh, because exchange students had, were at high risk of having an eating disorder and because I had a history of having an eating disorder then they didn't think that I could go to a foreign speaking country so I went to the United States, I went to California um, and it actually turned out to be a really great experience for me. Um, my eating, my disease kind of slowed down. I was trying to be on my best behaviour living with another family so my eating wasn't as bad as what it had been uh, and I went from a, a cool climate to a warm climate and, and that was good for me. Uh, so I, I actually didn't vomit as much during that year and I had a good year uh, season in, in the big book you know when we have a reprieve in our eating it can be followed by a still worse relapse uh, so that was what happened for me I had a reprieve uh, but then when I went back home I started working in a cafe and I had access to more food than I'd ever had before um, so I started um, having massive binges and I moved out of home and you know could do things like eat at 24-hour fast food places and my friends were at university and going to parties so I started drinking alcohol again um, so I went from things being okay, you know, me being in control of my eating, what I felt like I was being good for that year while I was an exchange student and then I came back and it all got uh, really bad really quickly. Uh, so that's when I uh, went to my first 12-step program for a food fellowship and, you know, I, I, I'm really grateful now that I went to a... I found recovery from a young age. I was 19 and my eating had been 
you know, really bad. The, the disease had progressed within me rapidly. Uh, so it meant that, you know, by the time I was 19, I really was sick and tired of the food. Food was my enemy and food had beaten me. I tried so hard to be thinning and to control it and um, it seemed like I just couldn't. I was, you know, food had more power over me um, than I wanted it to have. Uh, so I came to meetings and I appreciated people's honesty and I could identify with the struggle, I could identify with the pain and the shame and I could identify with the obsession in my mind, you know, waking up in the morning thinking about, you know, how can I how can I be good today? How can I control it today? How can I stay out of the food today? So many things in my life were about trying to avoid food. Like if I was running around doing activities, then I was less likely to be in the food. Or if I was around other people, then I was less likely to be eating. So all the time I was, I was very scattered, running from one thing to the next, running away from food. Uh, so when I, you know, went to a meeting and heard people be honest, um, you know, it allowed me to just relax and and to relate, uh, which was comforting. Uh, but I didn't know what I needed to do to get well. And after going to meetings for about six months, I I visited another city. I went to see my friend, and I went to a meeting there and. Uh, there were people in the room who had very strong recovery and had gotten well. They were no longer eating and they were very clear about, you know, in order to get well, these are the things that I've done. Um, so I went to that meeting and I was kind of starstruck. Um, you know, it felt like it had a you know, big impact on me, this meeting. Um, and a woman from the meeting phoned me and she shared with me over the phone uh, her experience and again she just explained how addiction was a disease and even though I may have heard that in the meetings before it, it really sunk in for the first time hearing it from her um, and she explained how she'd put down the food and how addiction shifts from one substance to another. So for her, getting well meant putting down food, alcohol, and pills. Um, and she was, uh, you know, she was a slim person, and she was a well person, and she was free. And I was just so attracted to that. I never thought that there was something that could be a way out for me. Uh, and the other meetings I'd gone to. You know, people still talked about it being a struggle and things, but he was this woman who was saying her problem had been removed. Uh, so I, I got off the phone from her and I had, you know, a flood of feeling of hope and peace like I'd never experienced before. I shared honestly with my best friend I was staying with at the time about my problems with eating. She suspected that you know there were things wrong with me but she didn't know what and you know she wanted to support me and she was very encouraging uh, which I really appreciated uh, so that was the beginning of the journey for me 
you know, it was a sudden experience of of really wanting uh, to get well and continuing to phone this woman, asking her to be my sponsor, asking her for help, asking her what I needed to do. And, uh, you know, I, I wish I could say that that was the beginning of my sobriety too. Uh, but I was young and stupid and, you know, still had denial. And, I, you know, I thought maybe I'm not that bad. Maybe I can cut a few corners. Uh, some of the things that were suggested sounded quite extreme to me. This idea of putting recovery first. So not really having a life, but putting recovery ahead of everything. I didn't really like that. I, I I still wanted to be cool and be like my friends and be worldly and do some of the you know wonderful things that friends at university were doing. Um, I didn't really want to fully give myself to this simple program. Uh, so I found from my own experience that when I didn't do everything then I crashed and picked up the food again. It says in the book that half measures availed us nothing. And my experience was that 95% measures availed me nothing. So even though I really liked going to meetings, and by that time I'd started going to Alcoholics Anonymous, as I realized alcohol was part of my addiction, um... And, you know, I love meetings. I, I really got a lot of help from my sponsor and that, that gave me a lot of peace and structure and um, guidance, you know, that I, was, I really appreciated that. Um, but there was still the sneaky part of me that wasn't fully, fully surrendered. You know, I was still obsessed with boyfriends or I was still sneaky in certain areas or undisciplined with my food plan making mistakes and being careless and sloppy um, and just, yeah, wanting to have a life and then have recovery. Um, and I realized that, uh, you know, I couldn't do that. If I didn't, if I wasn't sober, then I didn't have a life at all. I didn't have a chance at life at all. So it meant sort of giving up my ideas on running my life, um, giving up control of, of my weight you know it wasn't actually hard for me giving up the food because I hated food in the end um, but you know I still wanted to control my weight so having to surrender that and giving up exercise um, you know all these things were still were still hard for me I still had some resistance so it just took me more eating um, and I came to realize just how powerless I was and how unmanageable my life was. Um, how really I was, I was a crazy person uh, left to my own devices. Uh, so thankfully, uh, there came a point where, you know, in my heart of hearts, I was beaten and I was really willing to do whatever it took uh, to get well and do the things that were suggested to me to get well. Uh, just doing them with earnestness and sincerity and just kind of throwing myself into a 12-step program and trying to practice the principles as thoroughly as I could on a daily basis. Um, you know, it is a spiritual program and 
I never had a problem with that. I grew up with religion and I was open to the idea of a higher power. I was just rebellious against religion and God because God didn't stop me eating even though I prayed to God hundreds of times to help me beat them and help me control my eating, help me stop me eating. Uh, but when I came in and heard God in the rooms, heard a higher power of my own understanding that was okay for me um, because I did feel a higher power just being in a meeting. I did feel peace um, being sober and, you know, came to believe in my own idea of a higher power. Um, so asking that higher power to help me to not pick up the first one, helping helping me to get through my day. Um, and then the other big part of recovery was trying to be of service to other people. So trying to carry the message to others who might be struggling, um, trying to be of service in meetings. Uh, so it really did become a way of life for me. It's really good to be sober. I, I love this way of life. I, I'm so grateful to a sponsor and for members in the fellowship who have given me so much help. I'm really blessed uh, to have this life and to be freed from the obsession and this, you know, this really deadly disease. So thank you.